0: Well, hey, go ahead and turn to your Bibles, if you have them, to Matthew 11. We've been looking into the heart of Jesus so far. This is the third week in our Advent series in December. Um, A few things we've seen when we look at the character qualities and we look at the heart of Jesus. In week one, we saw that he is gentle and, and lowly, which means he's humble, which means he's accessible to us. And then last week, we looked into the compassionate heart of God. When Jesus saw the great crowd, remember, he moved towards them. He was compassionate um, and he healed their sick. And so what we're doing and what we're starting to begin to see is that we have really uh, misconstrued our view and our opinion of who Jesus actually is. And in a lot of ways, we just kind of made him into the image of of how we view ourselves. And then we think that because we're this way or because the people that we interact with, whether it's friends or family, we think, well, Jesus must be that way as well. And what we're learning through this series, um, again, called The Heart of Jesus, is that his heart is different than our heart. And so this morning, we're going to see something equally as shocking, actually, when we look at the character of Jesus, by the way, the creator of the universe. And what we're going to see is that he calls us friend. Matthew eleven nineteen says this, the son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. So I I grew up in a, a Christian school environment, and one of the things that happened was that you could sometimes get judged for the people that you hung out with. So the rumors of who this person was seen with or that person was seen out at the mall with, which is what kids in the 80s did, sorry, there's my age, it could sort of damage your reputation if you weren't careful. And then we see 2,000 years ago that it was an outrageous thing when religious people caught a glimpse of the people that Jesus hung out with. A friend of tax collectors and sinners, instantaneous judgment. But rather than that saying something against Jesus, it actually says something about the heart of Jesus. And what it tells us is that the creator of the universe does something so unique, so counter-cultural, so different than us in that he calls sinners his friends. And what's interesting is we either bend one of two ways when we consider Jesus as our friend. We think of him as maybe just a little too lightly, right? Jesus is our homeboy, he's our buddy. And then we can sort of pivot the other way and we can see him as just sort of this this uninterested, untouchable, slightly unhappy superhero Greek God who looks down at us kind of disapprovingly and just kind of shakes his head like really again, That's what we're dealing with again. We kind of tend to think this, if Jesus really knew what I was like, could he possibly want to be my friend? And yet when we look at this passage from Matthew 11, the thing that was leveled at Jesus, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard. Jesus was not a glutton or a drunkard, but they were leveling that at him by who he was associating with because it says he was a friend of tax collectors And sinners. So, what we're going to look at this morning briefly is who is Jesus a friend to? Well, based on Matthew 11 here, Jesus is a friend, was a friend to sinners like them. Dane Ortland says this though the crowds call him the friend of sinners as an indictment, the label is one of unspeakable comfort for those who know themselves to be sinners. That Jesus is friend to sinners is only contemptible to those who feel themselves not to be in that category. So when the religious leaders, when the scribes, when sort of the corrupt pastors of that particular time, when they looked at Jesus, they said, look who he's hanging out with. Look who his heart goes out to. He's a friend of tax collectors. These sort of these Jewish traders of the day, he's a friend to sinners. And so the first that we see, the first thing we see when we look at who Jesus is a friend to is that he's a friend to sinners like them, like those people over there. And in fact, Jesus told a parable about this in Luke 18. Uh, and he sa- it says this, he said, he also told a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And yet they treated others with contempt And then he tells the story, he says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed this, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. Then he says this, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Look around you and behold the sinner's that Jesus has befriended. Seriously, right now in your living room or wherever you're at, wherever you're logged on, look around and behold the sinners that Jesus has befriended. Remember, somebody's looking at you and shaking their head in disbelief right now as well. Jesus is a friend to men and women who say this, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Think about some of the people maybe that you've known over the years that have come to faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, just people with stories that would just, that would just shock and amaze, people with stories that rival the, the plot line of Breaking Bad, right? Jesus draws those people, these kind of people, he draws them close and he befriends them and it baffles us. And we stand back and we look and we're amazed that he would associate with somebody that has that kind of reputation, which has that kind of track record. And so it baffles us until we finally go, oh, that's right. Jesus is not only a friend to sinners like them, and here's our second point, but he's also a friend to sinners like me. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 1, 15, That's what Paul says about himself. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. And that's what he was. Uh, Before Jesus saved him, he went around trying to wipe out what had become sort of the community of the Christian faith. But this is what he says. He says, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Check out what he says, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. So this is Paul. All those books, all those letters in the New Testament that were penned by the Apostle Paul and yet he considers himself the foremost of all sinners. Paul received mercy and grace, and faith, and love, because he needed it as badly as everyone that has ever taken a gulp of air needs it. Jesus, beyond all earthly explanation, became a friend to merciless, murdering Paul. You're not gonna find a person who deserved Jesus less than Paul in scripture. I mean, you take one look at his rap sheet and this was not a man who most people would have felt friendly toward on any level. In fact, when he first came into faith in Jesus Christ, all the disciples were afraid of him. It was hard for them to even believe that somebody that had been that far from God was now this close to God. But that's what happens when Jesus gets a hold of a person. When Jesus surrounds Paul with the light of his mercy and grace, he befriended Paul. And he befriended Paul when Paul was at his least friendliest towards the friends of Jesus. Think about how remarkable that is. Jesus welcomed Paul into his circle of friends. And he pulled him in so deeply, listen to this, that Paul was willing to give the rest of his life for the cause of Christ because of the closeness and the friendship he had with Christ. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And not just save sinners, but befriend sinners. John 15, 15, Jesus wrote, he said, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. So what this tells us is that when Jesus is your friend, he lets you completely in. You're all in with him. He holds nothing back. Everything he has been told from his father, he shares willingly with you. There's like this companionship at work when Jesus becomes a friend to sinners, not just like them, but to sinners like us. There's a mutuality in place. We share everything with him and he shares everything with us because that's what friends do. but he does it without the sinfulness that accompanies every friendship that you and I have ever had, which has the potential to become broken. And Jesus is a trustworthy friend. Jesus is a sympathetic friend. Jesus is an empathetic friend. Jesus is an understanding friend because he knows what it's like to go through the things that we go through with our friends that put our friendships in peril. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed by a friend. He knows what it's like to be abandoned by his friends because he was. He knows what it's like for people to claim to be his friends, but only really want to use him because he provides free food and expert medical care. And that was a situation that happened over and over again to Jesus in the New Testament. When he healed the sick and he provided food and they would follow him because they wanted more of what he had to give them rather than more of himself. So when we think about a friend, there's probably some non-negotiables. There's probably certain qualities or certain attributes that we want when we think about a friend. We want somebody who is trustworthy. We want somebody who is understanding. We want a friend who is, is honest. We want a friend who is reliable. We want someone who is truthful. We want a faithful friend. We want a loving friend. We want a sacrificial friend. We want somebody who embodies these qualities, these character traits. And imagine a friend that does. Imagine someone out there who embodies all of these character qualities, but without fail. Because I know some people who have a lot of these qualities. They're trustworthy. And they say what they're going to do. And they're understanding when I'm going through something, I can look them in the eye and I can speak truth to them and they understand what I'm going through and they have compassion for me. They're honest. And they're people of their word. What they say comes to pass. They're reliable. I can depend on them. They're truthful. I never have to wonder whether they're lying to me. They're faithful. When they say they're going to do something, they do it. They're loyal. They're there. They're loving, they care about me. They would give me the shirt off their back and they're sacrificial. They do things that cost them for the benefit of myself. Imagine a friend that embodies all of those character qualities but without fail. Even when you're at your worst. We can damage earthly friendships because of things that we do, right? We stop communicating. Sometimes we break appointments. Sometimes we find ourselves gossiping and slandering, and we find that relationships start to split at the seams with friends that we thought we were going to have for years and years. I think all of us can probably give stories, tell stories, and relate to that, but imagine not being able to do anything to push Jesus away all the times you're not trustworthy understanding honest reliable truthful faithful loving or sacrificial imagine not being able when you fail at those things to push jesus away when in reality what we do is we pull ourselves away from him but jesus can never be pushed away from us revelation 320 this famous passage where uh, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. Jesus is invitational. It's not based on our faithlessness, but it always comes back to his faithfulness in being the friend that he can't fail not to be. John 14, 23, it says, Jesus answered him and said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will... Love him. And then he says, and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. So imagine Jesus being so close to you and wanting to get so close to you as the friend that he calls you, that he sees you as somebody who him and his father want to make a home with. Richard Sibbs says it like this. He says, as his friendship is sweet, so it is constant in all conditions. If other friends fail, as friends may fail, yet this friend will never fail us. If we be not ashamed of him, he will never be ashamed of us. How comfortable would our life be if we would draw out the comfort that this title of friend affords? It is a comfortable, a fruitful, and eternal friendship. And by the way, it's not because we're such great friends. Have you ever had somebody that you're not a great friend with and for some reason, they just stick by you? They just stick by you like a brother? And you look at some of the things you did, some of the ways you ignored them, some of the ways you may have broken their trust, some of the ways you weren't a great friend to them and they just seem to stick by you. Maybe some of you have had that experience and yet even a friendship like that has the ability to collapse. Think about Jesus calling us friend and having that be an eternal friendship for us. Jesus came to befriend sinners. And yes, he came to be your savior because you need a savior. And he came to be your king because he intends to rule over your life. And he came to be your peace because our sin has put us in a place where we need to have peace with a God who doesn't tolerate our sin. But he came to be with you. And the baseline quality of friendship is just that, isn't it? It's being there, it's presence. Jesus becomes your friend the minute, the second, you see yourself as being the kind of sinner that Jesus befriends. So what do we do with this? Those of us who know Jesus, but don't think of him, in, in terms of, of, his, of him being a, a friend to us, having that type of close and intimate relationship with us. And maybe some of us don't have a relationship with Jesus. And we've never thought or we've never been taught about him actually befriending the sinners that he saves. Well, the first thing we need to do, if that's you, if you're the latter category, is you need to repent for being his enemy because we aren't born friends with Jesus. We're born as sinners who are far away from him. But if we confess our sins, the Bible tells us he's faithful and just to forgive Our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness and when we are cleansed from that unrighteousness we become friends with Jesus we come we become befriended sinners with our Savior so some of us we need to come before the Lord and we need to repent and we need to receive the friendship that he offers us We also need to trust that his words are true. When Jesus tells us he is our friend, we need to trust that the foundational element of any friendship is that we believe the person that we're cultivating a relationship with. We need to trust that the words that Jesus says in scripture are words of truth for us. So when Jesus says, I have called you friend, sometimes our own fear, and our own guilt, and our own shame, and some of the things that we've gone through, it causes us to look at ourselves in such a way that we can't imagine why Jesus would ever want to befriend us, but that's not the criteria for Jesus ever befriending anybody. It's when we see ourselves like Paul did as the foremost of sinners, that he becomes our savior. He becomes our compassionate king, he becomes our friend, and we need to trust that those words are true, even during those times that we are cast into doubt, and we think, how could Jesus ever be a friend to me if he only could see what was really going on? Well, the reality is that he, he can really see. He does really see what's going on inside, and yet if you are his son or his daughter, he has an eternal friendship with you. We need to trust that his words are true for us. Then finally, we need to keep his true words because they've come from our truest friend. We need to keep those words. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Now, on a lesser level, of course, um, you know, we don't think as friends that we go around obeying each other or needing to keep each other's commands. Um, but we do, um, as, as friends do, we do like to do things that we know make our friends happy and please our friends. We do like to honor and respect our friends in ways um, that we know um, is, is, uh, is, is valuing them and, and, and valuing the friendship that we've built with them. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands and so our friendship with him is not dependent on whether we keep every single command because we can't and we don't. And when we don't, Jesus is such a friend to us that we have forgiveness because even when our words fail, his words never fail. This is an altogether different kind of friendship. This is a comfortable, a fruitful, an eternal friendship that we have with the creator of the universe who came to us and said, I see who you are. I see all that you've done. I see the mess that you've become. And my heart for you is that you would come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and that I would give you rest and that I would become your friend, I would be somebody that is unfailingly there for you in your deepest hours of need. That's the Jesus of Advent. That's the heart of Emmanuel, God with us. So our prayer now is that we would embrace this Jesus who befriends the foremost of sinners like us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you call us friends. And Lord, we don't want to take that lightly. We want to remember what it costs you to come into a relationship with us where you could call us friends because we're not enemies of God any longer. Lord, we thank you that you are a dear friend to us. You are somebody who is faithful. You don't fail us. This is an eternal friendship. Fruit is the result of this friendship. We are changed by being your friend. And so, Lord, I pray for those who need that comfort this morning, that you would give them the comfort of your friendship. Lord, for those who are not a friend with you right now because they haven't come before your throne and confess their sins trusted you for their salvation because of your work on the cross. Lord, we pray that people that have been your enemies would become your friends this morning, that you would open up hearts to receive that gift of life that you offer because of your work on the cross. So Lord, we pray, Lord, that many new people would come become your friends today and we pray that those who are already your friends but have had a hard time imagining it and have had a hard time conceiving of it Lord that you would just lift Lord some of the doubt in their hearts and remind them of the place that you have in their life as not only savior not only king but also friend and we thank you for this wonderful truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.